Hey, what's going on, my qualifiers? Welcome to another episode of Unqualified News with your host, M. Mauricio. That's me. And we're going to just jump into number 26. So here I have a couple stories. I have a very wordy, long story from CNN. It's a long, wordy one, basically letting you know that the UK is going to start COVID-19 vaccinations. But what I really got out of it at the very, very, very end of the article, they mentioned that Russia has been doing vaccinations since August. So they've had this COVID shot called the Sputnik V or Sputnik 5 maybe, not sure. Sputnik V COVID-19 vaccine that they've been vaccinating people since August. So about 100,000 Russians have already gotten this vaccination. Then there's a story in there from the New York Times. Chick-fil-A is suing poultry suppliers like Tyson Foods. Um, that's the only one that I know off the top of my head. Tyson Foods. You, you, you know Tyson Foods where you get your chicken nuggets from in the frozen section. Well, they were colluding with other poultry suppliers to raise chicken prices because they knew that chick-fil-a was going to start a new menu item so they decided hey you know what let's make a little bit more money we know for sure they're going to buy x amount of chickens in x amount of years let's increase the price by x amount uh i'm sure they're not going to win that they're going to have to pay out and there's another story in there from very random place abs cbn news I read it through it and everything seems to somewhat check out, but I want you guys to take a look at it. Seems credible. It's an overseas news outlet. I wanted you, my qualifiers, to kind of take a look at what China has to say about us in a way. So this is somebody from China writing about us and what they think we should do to help with foreign relations in a way, right? It's very interesting what they think. And of course, I got Trump's tweets in there. Uh, top favorite, I think, for everybody. I appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the episode and have a good week. UK prepares to give first COVID-19 vaccinations as the world watches. This one here comes from CNN.com by Laura Smith-Spark, Mia Alberti, and Niam Kennedy. London. Britain's healthcare providers are gearing up to start giving the first doses of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine, less than a week after the United Kingdom became the first Western nation to approve a COVID-19 vaccine. Vaccinations are set to begin on Tuesday in England, Wales, and Scotland. Northern Ireland said it would start administering the vaccine early in the week, but did not specify which day. The process, which is complicated by the need to store the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine under strict conditions and give each recipient two doses three weeks apart, will be closely watched from around the world. Saffron Cordery, Deputy Chief Executive of NHS Providers, told Sky News on Sunday that 50 hospital hubs across England had already received their allocation of the vaccine and that the distribution of the vaccine was really well underway now. UK health officials expect to have up to 4 million doses of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine, which offers up to 95% protection against COVID-19, available by the end of December, Cordery said. The government has ordered 40 million doses of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine so far, enough to vaccinate 20 million people or a third of the UK population. More deaths from COVID-19 have been recorded in the UK than anywhere else in Europe. 
the speed in which UK regulators approve the vaccine ahead of their counterparts elsewhere in Europe and in the United States raised questions in some quarters. But Cordery said the process had been incredibly robust. Yes, it has been shorter than other vaccine approval processes, but that's because everything all has been thrown at this all in one go, she said. The head of the UK medicines regulator also put out assurances on Sunday saying the Pfizer-BioNTech jab is as safe as any general vaccine and that those receiving it would be monitored by health officials. You might have a mild symptom but will probably disappear in a day or two and nothing at all serious nature, June Rain, head of the UK's medicines and healthcare products regulatory agency, MHRA, told BBC. According to MHRA, more than 1 in 10 recipients may suffer side effects including pain at the injection site, headache, muscle pain, chills, joint pain, and fever. A handful of others less common side effects are also listed. Asked about the potential impact of Brexit on the vaccination program, Rain said, We've practiced. We are ready and we are fully prepared for any possible outcome. The transition period for the UK's exit from the European Union comes to an end on December 31st. Last-ditch talks between EU and UK leaders on a trade deal continued over the weekend, amid dire warnings over the economic and logistic chaos that would result from a hard crash out of the world's largest trading bloc. Our goal at the MHRA is to make sure whatever the outcome, whatever the deal, medicines, medical devices, and vaccines reach everyone in all parts of the country in the same way without any interruption at all, Rain said. Logistical Challenge The first doses of the vaccine reportedly arrived in the UK on Thursday night, carried by a fleet of unmarked trucks through the Eurotunnel from Belgium to undisclosed storage facilities in England, Wales, Scotland, and Northern Ireland, according to CNN affiliate ITV News. The UK government's announcement of its approval a day earlier had been followed by confusion over who would get the vaccine first and how it would be administered safely, given the logistical constraints. The vaccine must be stored at a minus 70 degrees Celsius, a temperature only possible in special freezers. Once taken out of the freezer, the MHRA authorization requires the doses to be kept refrigerated and used within five days. Batches can only be moved and repacked into smaller numbers of doses a limited number of times under strict conditions. Once a vial is diluted for injection, it cannot be transported and must be used within six hours or discarded. The UK's Joint Committee of Vaccination and Immunization, JCVI, recommended vaccinating residents of care homes for older adults and their staff first, followed by people aged over 80 as well as health care workers. But the challenges involved in getting the vaccine to care home residents means health workers now plan to administer it first to people aged over 80 who are about to be discharged from hospital or are attending outpatient hospital appointments. Hospitals will begin inviting over 80s in for a jab and a work with the care home providers to book their staff into vaccination clinics, a statement from NHS England said Sunday. Any appointments not used for these groups will be used for healthcare workers who are highest risk for serious illness of COVID. 
Rain told the BBC the exact timing might be variable, but that she expected to see the vaccine reach care homes, definitely within the next two weeks. Northern Ireland's health ministry said Friday an initial consignment of almost 25,000 doses had arrived, paving the way for vaccinations to commence from early next week, starting with vaccinator teams. Scotland is set to receive 65,000 doses of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine from the initial batch of 800,000 doses distributed in the UK, Secretary of State for Scotland Alistair Jack said in an opt-end for the mail on Sunday. He added that the armed forces were involved in the planning and logistics of the vaccination program. Scottish Health Secretary Jean Freeman said those giving the vaccinations would be first to receive it, followed by care home residents and staff, then all those 80 years of age and over and frontline health and social care workers. She acknowledged the challenges around transporting the vaccine to care homes and individual residences, but added, for all the difficulties that lie ahead, it should give us all real hope that the end of the pandemic is in sight. Fauci apology. Other nations are not far behind the UK when it comes to taking decision on approving the vaccine. The US regulator, the Food and Drug Administration, FDA, has scheduled a meeting of its vaccine advisory committee December 10th to discuss Pfizer-BioNTech's emergency authorization application. It will meet again on December 17th to consider the application for Moderna's vaccine candidate. Dr. Anthony Fauci, America's top infectious disease expert, apologized Thursday after suggesting a day earlier that UK regulators had not scrutinized the data on the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine as carefully as their US counterparts. News of the approval of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine was welcomed by many Britons as a ray of light at the end of the dark year. There are hopes that the UK approval could soon follow for Moderna and the vaccine candidate developed by British-Swedish drug maker AstraZeneca and Oxford University. But the four chief medical officers for the United Kingdom warned in a letter that this winter would be specially hard and people must not let down their guard against the virus. Although the very welcome news about vaccines means we can look forward to 2021 with greater optimism, vaccine development will have only a marginal impact in reducing numbers coming into the health service with COVID over the next three months, they said. Russia starts mass vaccination. Meanwhile, vaccination centers across Moscow started to distribute Russia's Sputnik V COVID-19 vaccine on Saturday, initially to groups such as teachers, health professionals, and municipal service workers. Russian President Vladimir Putin has ordered large-scale vaccination with Sputnik V to begin across the country this week. Russia became the first country in the world to approve its coronavirus vaccine in August, authorizing the treatment for public use even before crucial phase 3 trials, which are still underway, were conducted. The move drew criticism from scientific circles. Civil vaccination has started at 70 points in Moscow today. We work from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. seven days a week. Natalia Nikolverna Kuzinkova chief doctor of Moscow's Hospital 68 told CNN on Saturday. 
Kuzovkovna shrugged off questions about vaccine safety. If there is a question between getting sick or getting a vaccine, this is a very dangerous disease which leads to quite serious consequences. So the answer is obvious here, she said. The vaccine has officially been registered. Two stages of clinical trials have passed and we are now completing the third stage. Therefore, within the framework of a pandemic, in these conditions, this does not at all contradict any regulatory norms, she added. Mayor of Moscow, Sergei Sobayanin, suggested early participation was enthusiastic, saying more than 5,000 people had registered for the vaccination in the first five hours. One of those getting vaccinated Saturday told CNN she was not at this point afraid of having the vaccine before trials are over. Well. Of course, there are some concerns, but I try not to think about it, said the woman, who works as an administrator at the hospital and identified herself only as Nadesna. I wanted to get immunity from the new COVID-19 infection, protect myself and my family, in order not to get sick, not to get complications, not to infect any loved ones. Health Minister Mikhail Murashko said last week that more than 100,000 Russian citizens had already had the Sputnik V vaccine. Officials said there are enough doses for more than 2 million people across Russia, which has a population of over 145 million people. And there you go. That's uh, from CNN.com. That was a very, very wordy article there. So basically what's going on is uh, the UK went and approved the use of Pfizer's new vaccine. So they should be rolling them out pretty soon. But little do we know already that Russia has been doing this since August. So they've already actually vaccinated about 100,000 people with a Sputnik V vaccine back in August. So 100,000 people have been vaccinated with that Russian COVID-19 shot. That's something that I don't see on the news. You know, and like we mentioned last uh, episode, uh, Ford bought a bunch of those ultra coolers. And you see, that's the biggest issue with this vaccine is that it needs to be stored at uh, ultra cold temperatures. Uh, so it's a lot of uh, logistical challenges, as they say. Trump's tweets at Real Donald Trump on Twitter. I hope House Republicans will vote against the very weak National Defense Authorization Act, NDAA, which will veto, must include a termination of Section 230 for national security purposes, preserve our national monuments, and allow 5G and troop reductions in foreign lands. And there you have it from our president, Donald J. Trump. As of now, this has 8,000 comments, 22,000 retweets, and about 99,000 loves. I don't know what to make of this one right here. I, I don't have enough information, but he mentioned 5G. I don't know if he means 5G network-wise, you know. I allow for 5G and troop reductions in foreign lands. So I guess, yeah, allow for 5G around the United States, I'm assuming troop reductions in foreign lands well yeah that makes sense right we don't want our troops in foreign lands right but what's the first part i, I don't understand
Chick-fil-A accuses poultry suppliers of price fixing. This one comes from the New York Times by Neil Victor. Chick-fil-A, the company that says it invented the chicken sandwich, has accused more than a dozen poultry suppliers in a federal lawsuit of inflating prices of billions of dollars of chicken that it bought. The company filed a lawsuit on Friday in U.S. District Court in Chicago accusing 16 chicken producers of colluding with one another to manipulate prices after the fast food chain announced plans in 2014 to serve broiler chicken meat without antibiotics within five years. Chick-fil-A, which is based in Atlanta, said the suppliers violated federal antitrust laws when they shared confidential bidding and pricing information with one another by phone and text messages. In the lawsuit, Chick-fil-A said the suppliers possessed significant market power in the market for broilers and that their conduct had actual anti-competitive effects with no or insufficient offsetting pro-competitive justifications. The lawsuit seeks unspecified damages and lawyer's fees incurred by Chick-fil-A, which said that its losses from price fixing would be established during a requested jury trial. The defendants include Tyson Foods, Purdue Farms, Pilgrim's Pride, and Sanderson Farms all of which are part of a class action case over price-fixing allegations that began in 2016 and that Chick-fil-A said in its lawsuit it had joined. The companies have disputed the allegations in the class action lawsuit. A spokeswoman for Purdue Farms echoed those denials on Sunday night when asked to comment on Chick-fil-A lawsuit. We believe these claims are unfounded and plan to contest the merits, the spokeswoman said. Andrea Staub said in an email, Tyson Foods said Chick-fil-A's allegations were without merit. Follow-on complaints like these are common in antitrust litigation, the company said in a statement. Such complaints do not change our position that the claims are unfounded. We will continue vigorously to defend our company. The dispute over chicken prices escalated in June when the Justice Department indicted two top executives at Pilgrim's Pride on a price-fixing charge. They have pleaded not guilty. In October, Pilgrim's Pride agreed to pay $110.5 million to settle federal charges that it had helped fix prices, and then passed on the higher costs for chicken to consumers, restaurants, and supermarkets. Representatives of Pilgrim's Pride, Tyson Foods, and Sanderson Farms did not immediately respond to requests for comment on Sunday night. In June, Tyson Foods said that it was cooperating with criminal investigation by the Justice Department into the broiler chicken industry. The company said it had been served with a grand jury subpoena from the department's antitrust division. A spokeswoman for Chick-fil-A, which has more than 2,400 locations, declined to comment on Sunday night. In 2019, Chick-fil-A posted more than $11 billion in domestic sales, the highest revenue for a fast-food chicken chain in the United States. According to Technomic, an industry research firm, its sales were nearly triple of both KFC and Popeyes. For the past 25 years, Chick-fil-A has featured cows in its advertisements and used the slogan, Eat More Chicken, to contrast itself with fast food chains that mainly serve hamburgers. And there you go, that's a story from the New York Times. Chick-fil-A is basically joining a class action lawsuit that's been going on since 2016, and it has to do with chicken pricing. I mean, 
yeah, it's like nothing to us, but I'm sure this has something to do with why my chicken sandwich costs maybe 50 cents more or not. Another thing that's surprising is that Chick-fil-A is the number one fast food chicken place over KFC and Popeyes. That is surprising to me because I never eat at Chick-fil-A. So, surprising there. Time for a reset in U.S.-China relations. Foreign Minister Wang Ying says, This comes from ABS-CBN News by Sarah Shang, South China Morning Post. Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi called on Monday for Beijing and Washington to resume dialogue to reset ties between the major powers after months of increasing hostility ahead of the incoming U.S. administration under President-elect Joe Biden. Speaking during a video dialogue with the board of U.S.-China Business Council, USCBC, Wang gave suggestions to improve the country's tumultuous ties, including strengthening communications at all levels and expanding areas of cooperation, such as getting the coronavirus pandemic under control. The USCBC represents American companies that do business in China and seeks to promote bilateral trade. The most urgent task currently is the two sides to work together to remove all sorts of barriers to achieve a smooth transition in China-U.S. relations, Wang said, according to a brief on Chinese Foreign Ministry website. At the same time, based on the directional of mutual benefits for our peoples and countries, we need to strive and restart dialogue, return to the right track, and rebuild trust in this next phase of relations. Biden is set to assume the presidency on January 20th, succeeding U.S. President Donald Trump, whose administration has been known for its particularly hawkish China policy, including international lobbying against Chinese telecoms giant Huawei Technologies, launching a trade war with China, and sanctioning Chinese officials over human rights abuses in Shenzhen. Observers say they expect tensions to continue under Biden, who is expected to work more with the U.S. allies to tackle China, even as his approach may leave more room for cooperation on issues such as climate change and health care. While Trump has mounted legal challenges to the November election result, Biden is slated to enter the White House as expected next month. Wang on Monday blamed the outdated Cold War mentality and ideological prejudices of some in the U.S. as a core reason for deteriorating relations and decried the perception of China as an opponent or enemy. Engaging in comprehensive containment against China and even advocating for decoupling and a new Cold War is making a historical, directional, and strategic error, he said. We expect and believe that the U.S.-China policy will return to objectivity and rationality sooner than later. China's top diplomats struck a more conciliatory note in his remarks overall, calling for the two sides to strengthen cooperation within multilateral institutions such as the United Nations and World Health Organization. Trump withdrew the U.S. from the WHO, in part over concerns that China has too much influence. But Wang also reiterated Beijing's line for the U.S. not to intervene in China's internal affairs. A frequent accusation in response to U.S. criticism and sanctions for Chinese actions in places like Shenzhen and the South China Sea. 
For problems that cannot be immediately resolved, we need to maintain constructive attitude to manage the situation to avoid intensifying and escalating the overall situation of China-U.S. relations, Wang said. He also encouraged the U.S. business community to play a larger role in improving relations between the two countries. Tensions between China and the U.S. have flared in recent months over Beijing's initial cover-up of the coronavirus outbreak, an ongoing trade and technology spat, ideological clashes, competing interests globally and in international institutions, and over Hong Kong and Shenzhen. Analysts said it was not realistic to expect a reset in bilateral relations anytime soon. Wei Zongyu, a professor specializing in China-U.S. relations at Fudan University, said Wang's words were a show of goodwill from Beijing to the incoming Biden administration. But there had been a fundamental bipartisan shift in attitudes towards China. So Biden will not dare to show weakness or friendliness on the China issue, he said. On the other hand, Biden will have to deal with the thorny domestic issues such as the pandemic and economic recovery, easing racial conflict and political polarization, and will prioritize repairing relations with allies in his foreign policy. We may have to wait until the second half of next year for any opportunities for an engagement or reset for China-U.S. relations. A Beijing-based scholar who asked not to be named given political sensitivities said the side taking the initiative to extend an olive branch would depend on the area. In terms of people-to-people -people and cultural exchanges, the U.S. has crossed certain lines so it should be more proactive in reaching out here, he said. As for issues with Taiwan, Hong Kong, the South China Sea, and human rights, the Chinese side should be more gentle, but the authorities will not be making any concessions. And there you have it, my qualifiers. This is a story from ABS CBN News. I have no idea how this came across my feed, but it is a foreign international overseas news outlet, I guess, right? So you guys are hearing it from the Chinese side, you know? So, I mean, all that, what I got was Chinese and U.S. relations are not going to get better anytime soon. So expect it to get possibly worse seeing that when Biden comes into office, he's not going to be worried about, hey, does China like me or not? He's going to be worried about everything that's going on here domestically, right? What's going on here in the United States. Also, you guys heard that at the very end. What people really think is, hey, the U.S. should try harder, so we're not going to try. And that's not the right mentality to go about anything that when you're trying to fix something. We'll see. Alrighty, there you have it, my qualifiers. Those are your three stories. And I just received an emergency alert. So I just want to read that to you guys. It says, State of California, new public health stay-at-home order in your area. COVID-19 is spreading rapidly. Stay home except for essential activity. Wear a mask. Keep your distance. Visit covid19.ca.gov. I just received that, and I heard everybody at work receive it as well at the same time. You hear everybody's phone just beep, 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 beep. So I guess the takeaway on that is, yes, COVID is kind of spreading. More people are becoming COVID positive. The good thing is there isn't a lot of people dying. So the percentage of people testing positive for COVID is going up, but the percentage of deaths are going down. So that's the positivity. That's the positive outcome uh, uh, of what's going on. Again, I want to take a second. Thank you guys for listening. 
I appreciate you guys and have a good week. Love you guys. Peace.